0: Thank mm-hmm. I'm Anna Newton and I'm Lily Pebbles and welcome back to our podcast at home with. So this is episode five, season two. And if you've only just discovered us, we've we've done a whole season for you to discover. I definitely recommend going back and having a listen to our first season. We had some incredible guests like Lisa Eldridge, Joe Alvin, Lizzo.
1: Oh, season one was so. Who is your favourite?
0: Did you pick? I, I really enjoyed Lisa Eldridge. I don't know, I love them all. You, you loved Terry the most, didn't you? I loved by Terry, founder Terry de Gunsberg. That was just, oh my God, that was an incredible afternoon that I will just never forget.
1: Was so good. Definitely go back and have a listen if you haven't done that yet. But here we are, halfway through season two. And like we do every
0: week, let's start by reading out some feedback on last week's episode with Patricia Bright. So at the Frenchiest blog said already listened to it and absolutely loved it. It was so fun. As an accounting student, I thought I was the only one into blogging. So cool to know that someone else did this as well. At Sync Sarah Snap said absolutely loved the At Home with Patricia Bright. A seriously
1: impressive woman doing
0: amazingly well.
1: Can't wait for the
0: book. I'm so glad she read that one out because I was like Sync Sarah (laughs) Snap. It's so hard to say. At Sinclair 005 wrote on Patricia's Instagram slay listen to your podcast with the anna edit and lily pebbles and you rock that was really sweet really sweet you all love
1: patricia as much as we do and loads of the feedback said how that you all found it really a motivating episode and
0: we did as well thanks for having us patricia we really appreciated it And don't forget, if you want to keep up with new episodes every Wednesday morning, subscribe. It's free on iTunes or Acast. And follow us on Twitter or Instagram. We're at TheAnnaEdit and at LilyPebbles across all platforms. And please leave us your ratings and reviews as we love hearing them.
1: And if you want to see some photos from our guests' homes, just listen on the Acast app and they'll pop up on your screen as you listen.
0: It's what I use now for all of my podcasts. Is it? I love seeing the photos and stuff. It's actually funny on other podcasts. Sometimes they have like little cover photos that you wouldn't see anywhere else. So there you go, fun fact. Anna, let's do that thing where we chat about what we've been up to this week. I haven't made notes this week. Now Lily is the one who hasn't (laughs) made notes. And I'm not going to lie, we haven't seen each other for like a good couple of days, you know, and that's long for us. So we've just done a really long chat about Mamma Mia 2, all of the plot holes, but then all of the amazing things about it, Love Island. We
1: we talked about Garden Turf as well (laughs) at one point. (laughs) We've covered all the topics. We've
0: covered all the topics.
1: But go on, you go first. I want to hear what you've been up to.
0: I feel like last week was a bit crazy. I was a bit here, there and everywhere. For four days, I was not in Brighton. I was elsewhere. We came to London. We did podcasts. We did some really good ones last week. We did some really good ones last week. We went to Somerset and we spent the day with Ruth and Caroline and Ruth's lovely children. And it was just... Oh, my God. It was such a nice day. Such a lovely day. Ruth's daughter, Angela Cruz three, and she's basically my new best friend. She's, my favourite bit was when she stripped off naked and went, Naked Bomb Bomb time!
1: <laughs> <laughs> we were like, okay, we won't join you, but go for it. <laughs> she's so cute.
0: She is adorable. And then I was in Birmingham as well. I met some of you guys. Thank you so much to everybody who came. So... It was just a bit all over the place. Yeah. And at the weekend, I came to London again because, you know, you just coming to London like multiple times a week just isn't enough for me. And I watched one of my best friends try on wedding dresses. Oh, that's so cute. And if you want someone to cry in front of you <laughs> when you try on wedding dresses, just let me know. I can be there, it can be <laughs> arranged, I will cry. It was the first one, and it wasn't even one that she liked. Oh. Mm.
1: Isn't it the weirdest experience, though? The whole thing of trying on wedding dresses, those shops are weird. Like, normally you can only take one person. You can't take photos and it's like just i found it the weirdest experience it was
0: it was bizarre but they let us take photos good. there was quite a few of us there we were drinking some like champagne and so it was probably a bit tipsy and just crying but yeah if you ever you want anyone to cry and watch you on <laughs> wedding
1: dresses you're the one to call yeah
0: i'm the one to call okay
1: good to know if it ever happens again <laughs> <laughs> so what have i been up to well like you I had a busy week last week but on the weekend i had a really nice day actually i went to shoreditch and do you ever have those moments where you're just like you have such a good day and you're like i love where i live yes like, like i bet you have it on like beach days when it's sunny and it's tried
0: this weekend and i'm definitely gonna have exactly i love brighton weekend so
1: i kind of had that i went to shoreditch and we went to i went with friends we went to dinorama which is like the best food market it had amazing chicken wings and then i went to box park which has really cool pop-up shops like papersmiths oh um, there's
0: one of those in brighton oh my god i
1: love it so much i literally freaked out they had like a pen that looked like a pencil and i bought like a really expensive magazine and it was amazing and i went to decorum which is like an amazing home accessories shop and then we just mooched around i bought like an aesop scrub that i didn't need wow. and i was just like smiling ear to ear all day i had a really nice time
0: i love that yeah i took
1: photos I could do a blog post and everything I felt very inspired
0: Oh, see I saw I think her name's called Lucy Sheridan do you follow her on Instagram no. it's like a motivational account and she put up an Instagram that said remember when you wanted everything that you currently have and I that for me has been I might make it into the newsletter this month because that's really been at the forefront of my mind and even though last week was really busy for me and I'm someone who like loves being at home I'm a homebody I was like actually it was all for lovely things yeah. and remember when you wanted this and now you've got it Appreciate it. I remember when
1: you were like, just imagine like doing this job full time as my Yeah, pick. yeah.
0: Exactly. So hashtag blessed. Love that. So on to episode five, and it's with Charlie Cox, who is our dear friend, a poet and an insanely ambitious and talented woman. And she is only 22 <laughs> That's ridiculous. which means i think we must have met her when she was about 18 and um, it's just absolutely nuts and she recently published her debut book titled she must be mad which has had an amazing reaction the sunday times style called her
1: social media's answer to carol ann duffy which is high praise indeed but very much deserved and the novelist cecilia Ahern tweeted saying this book of poetry and prose is divine she must be mad by charlie cox is so refreshing yet familiar i know that girl and i know these boys wish I had this when I was 16 glad I have it now how nice is that I think she was freaking out when that happened really that
0: was so cool in this episode we talk about how Charlie started her career at just 16 and how she met Jack Carries from Jack's Gap remember that (laughs) which is a hilarious and inspiring story and we also spoke to her about her experience of posting daily poems on Instagram and how that has led to her writing her first book that story about how she met Jack
1: I mean when I listened to the episode again I was just laughing so much
0: (laughs) we also cover
1: mental health which is a topic close to charlie's heart and we discussed how she's become more comfortable talking openly about mental health she discussed what she's found has helped over the years and gave some tips for those dealing with their own struggles and those around them that want to help in whatever way they can
0: there's a reading from her book and her pets make a little appearance there's a bunny there's a dog it's all going on in this episode including a bit of noise in the background but it all adds to the atmosphere right and we hope that charlie's neighbors enjoy their new roof extension (laughs) (laughs) so get comfy on your commute
1: or turn up the speaker whilst you make breakfast and we hope you enjoy at home with charlie cox I think we should stop talking about Love Island now and actually start this podcast. I've got so
0: much more to say. Well,
1: I'm, I'm amazed that we're all here. I got very lost on the way. See, how long did it take you? I mean, it was been six, 45 minutes, took me like an hour and a
0: half. <laughs> Lily, when she gets out of London, she can't handle it south of the river even for you. I know, exactly. Well, oh, we're here. We're here. It's
1: oh, so cute. We're in the okay.
0: countryside. Do I do knocker or do I do bell? Belle.
1: Oh, I can't wait to see her.
0: I feel like I get some been... pretty flowers as well for her. It's just a lovely summer's day. Or maybe we can sit in the garden. I've got sun cream. <laughs> Hi.
2: Hi. Hey, my love! Yeah. How are you? Hey, well, I love that you've turned up at my front door. <laughs> Not only with yeah. a microphone, but all of you. Oh, yeah! My, my all of us. Like Here's
1: you. some flowers <laughs> for you. When we were 22. now the ripe old age of 30 I was nursing a three-year-long hangover I just come out of uni I had no idea what I was doing with my life I literally had no idea how to start any I had my blog but I didn't know how I was ever going to get a proper job and you're 22 and you seem to be doing everything and doing everything so well you're a writer
0: a poet a producer a content creator um the list is kind of endless and also you've had a million jobs <laughs> like, but you have at this point I'd had a handful of jobs and I was working for free you are 22 right I wasn't
2: expecting to feel so embarrassed so no, embarrassed. no. So embarrassed. we're just basically like, oh.
1: your biggest fans ever we're Likewise. so excited to come here today
2: it's so nice to have people in my house does that sound really sad No, because that's why we to so like people it. come out of London
0: we are very comfortable right now I must say I'm like lounging on the sofa in like some kind of faux fur thing yeah You're, I've fallen in love with your dog I have to remind myself to be doing a
1: podcast because I'm like feel like I'm just chilling with Charlie on the sofa. Well, you are
0: kind of up hashtag chilling with Charlie. <sighs> there you go. There you go. That's the... your that's your podcast. Fine. Thing.
1: Fine <laughs> You've always been involved with the online content creator world. That's how we met. But I wouldn't necessarily describe you as a YouTuber. So, how did you kind of get involved in this world?
2: It it's a really funny one also something that I never anticipated doing or had any dreams of desires of being involved in um, I was 16 17 when I started a blog and just did it for me I know that everybody says that but it was you know well before blogging was sought after or there was any money in it um, and I wanted to talk about people that were doing well online in a way that wasn't really patronising. There was so it was like, do you remember all those awful Guardian articles where it was like young kids in their bedroom make millions, like learn you're like, oh shut up. (laughs) Like, why can't it be cool, impressive, new talent, find platform that you know? So I tried to do that and then for one of the interviews, a friend had sent me a link to Jack's gap. And we were like, ooh. These boys are nice. They're I
0: mean, interesting. They do look nice. They're not, yeah, they're easy on the eye. You're know?
2: uh, like, oh, they're very talented. They're doing quite well. So I emailed Jack's agent. I mean, I didn't lie, but I very sort of thinly veiled this idea that I was quite a big journalist with a massive blog and wrote the whole email in We. It was like, we love <laughs> the boys. We would be so delighted to take them for lunch. Um, and so the agent passed it on to Jack. Jack, this is a really big opportunity. I think you should take it. You know, oh. you don't get things like this very often. And so Jack met me at the Bluebird in Chelsea and I was sat there at 17 with a glass of wine in my
1: hand. Oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> and
2: I was like, hi, it's lovely to meet you. Just completely winging it. And then after about two hours, he's like, so what did you do on your gap year? And I went, I've just finished my GC. Oh, uh, um, I, and he's like, you've just finished your GCSEs. I was like, yeah, okay, here we go. I was for a 17 <laughs> And he was just totally shell-shocked. He was like, oh, what? So do you like work for this blog? And I was like, no, no, the blog is me. It's just me. And I was like, um, right, and d- d- what? He was like, do you want to go for dinner she, like we should be friends I was like why I mean this turned out a lot better than I thought it was I thought it was gonna be like pie in the face I've been done and that turned into work so we became really good friends and then we started I started helping produce their content
0: That's, I did not know that story yeah. I didn't That's either insane
1: was that something you thought you wanted to do in terms no. of like finish
2: I, school and I had no I mean I guess With a career trajectory, I always knew I wanted to do something different. So I left school at 16, um, mostly just having terrible anxiety. I could not sit through my A-levels. I did three months at college and I was like, no, thank you, this is not for me. Um, Which was mass disappointment to parents that were looking at an only child that was supposed to be the Oxbridge kid. And thought, right, fine, I've just got to think a bit differently about how I go about getting work. So then I started at Burberry. Um, as a styling assistant, which was so fun. C- again, just sent a completely winging it letter to the photo studio manager, like, my parents have given me two weeks to find a job or I have to go back to college. Please, will you just invite me for an interview? She's like, OK. <laughs> um, so that was for a year. And then, yeah, with the blog, it was just to sort of keep me still writing on the side of working in fashion. And there I was.
0: Because you worked for Grazia... Yeah, did you've a worked with here. Russell Brand. Yeah, you've you've done a bit of everything. Like, what would you say? What did you? What was your favourite sort of job you had over that period?
2: It's so hard. I really, really loved working with Russell Brand. It was, I mean, such an incredible. That was on the trees, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. I want to hear more about this because I bet he's a lot of fun to work with.
2: The loveliest man in the world, just so kind and endearing and paternal and. I was 19, I remember going in for my first day and he came downstairs and he just sort of looked at me. He was like, you must be young Charlie. I was like, <laughs> hello. He was like, hmm, 19, are we? <laughs> and I was like, yep. <laughs> he was like, going to tell me what to do, are we? <laughs> I was like, yeah, that is sort of how this is going to work. He was like, well, right, we'll see. And then within two weeks, you know, just had a really great, solid working relationship. But it's, it's so fun, particularly working with, bigger sort of like more traditional celebrities or people that are really you know very much in the media but don't quite get online it's so fun trying to bridge that gap and being like look we both know a lot but we're coming from different angles and then finding a way to professionally collaborate
0: because your jobs have always had that online edge all these things that you've been yeah. doing they've always been so you, you're working online what were you doing were you producing community editor community editor tweets and stuff (laughs) (laughs) sounds fancy
2: doing the Instagram
0: (laughs) but throughout this you've always had your own stuff going on at the same time yeah
2: just sort of like bubbling bubbling on the sidelines which again has been really nice because there's never been any pressure on it yeah and I've always known that there would eventually come a time where I could go right I've taught you all how to do this stuff I'm gonna go and be a writer now but I sort of thought that might be in fifty years' time, <laughs> but it's kind of now. <laughs> but it's kind of
1: kind now. of now. Let's talk about this because I feel like for me, this started last January when you started posting, yeah, a poem a day on Instagram, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Which was
1: I was I didn't see that coming, and I really really enjoyed Neither
2: it. Neither did I. Like I didn't see it coming either. So I was how, not
1: expecting so to. How do did, it. did that come about then?
2: Um, I th- I'd been complaining <laughs> a lot. <laughs> i have been really moany um, to a lot of my friends about, I was like, guys, you don't get how frustrating it is. Like, I'm also a creative and I want to make things and I'm constantly facilitating somebody else's projects. As so I just felt, you know, very grateful and loved my job, but just felt creatively really frustrated. And my friend Adrian said, well, you write all these poems in secret. And sometimes you read them to us when you're drunk and they're not bad, so why don't you put something online? I was like, no, that's terrifying. And then my friend Will piped up and went, oh, you should write one every day for a month and film a video and do the audio. I was like, guys, have you ever written anything and like every day for a month? And they're like, that's, that's gotta be it. That's gotta be your goal. Like, We'll do a big celebration if you can last a whole month. And I did.
0: Before that, you weren't sharing your poems at all?
2: No, never. I was so private. mortified.
0: When did you start writing poetry?
2: Probably when I was like 12. Wow. But I don't think I ever really knew that that's what I was doing. They were very embarrassing scribbles in the back of homework planners. About oh, boys oh, I was going to say,
0: in a homework yeah. planning.
1: Oh God, yeah. Amazing. Oh, yeah. So not like roses are red, violets are blue, more like... No. give us an
0: example,
2: like, (laughs) Tim and my form is the love of my life, and you know,
0: (laughs) right, really, teenage angst, or, yeah, a lot of that, yes,
2: but but totally mortifying, but really from like a very deep sensitive place (laughs) within my soul, (laughs) I felt really, really angry about a lot of heartbreak at 12.
0: I mean, you do, you really do, but you've now, so you did your poem a day for January, do you think that You now have a book coming out, which by the time this podcast goes up, will be out. She must be mad.
2: I hate doing this. Don't let you talk about it. No, I'll talk about it. I'm
0: so
1: excited. You had the the poem a day on Instagram and everyone was like, wow, Charlie writes poetry. Like, your little circle group of friends all knew about it and encouraged you to do that. But for everyone else, like, I don't think everyone was aware that that's what you did. And it was like, oh, my God, this girl, Charlie, who we see everywhere and she's cool and we love her this is her thing and I was so excited for you you. and I just was like they were they're amazing so now you have a book deal which I think everyone has just been so excited about
2: it's been so lovely I really I really wasn't expecting such an overwhelmingly positive response particularly from peers you know Mm. I've I feel like I've been in this space for such a long time as the the girl involved with them sort of style. Yeah. Everyone's known
0: of you, yeah. everyone's worked with I'm you. always you at scenes a party. Oh she is always at a party. <laughs> we walked in and Charlie knew our producer Amy from a party so you're well connected, you know these people. It's like, really bad. Like you said you'd always been known for facilitating other projects. And now it's your
1: turn. Yeah. Yay. So when did the book deal happen? When did this kind of whole process start?
2: I got an agent, lovely agent Abby, mm-hmm. as she is fondly known me maybe not to her um about a year and a half ago and we threw around so many ideas of you know if you were to write a book what would that be and even that as a concept was totally bonkers I was like well I'm never gonna write a book so fine you know let's not even entertain that don't it's nice give to me know false... you but you know <laughs> <Yeah. It's> like, <laughs> don't give me false hope <laughs> you know no one's gonna buy one um and then after yeah a good solid year and a half and then the poem's doing well I said could we pitch some poetry I'm like it's quite brave I mean poetry famously isn't isn't a seller it's not a big one so we put together the pitch and it just it, it was the first time in a really long time where I felt place even just writing the treatment and looking through it and looking at the work and really throwing myself into trying to find a narrative arc in all this, all this weird stuff that I'd collated over like, nearly 10 years of my life. I was like, wow, this is it. This is, this is like a homely feeling of, ah, uh, I've arrived somewhere that I really want to stay for a long time.
1: That's the best feeling. And sometimes you just need people around you to say, this is what you're really good at
0: it's just so nice <laughs> every moment here I'm like oh having known you for yeah. so many years now it's so nice for you to just like you said you, you found your home you yeah. found your place and that's such a lovely feeling to have at 22 like by the way just throwing ridiculous. that in again ridiculous
2: <laughs> I feel so I feel so lucky in that sense but then also that comes from a place of I always knew I wanted to be a writer I just wasn't sure in what part And knew that any work that I was doing building up to that was either going to be a funny anecdote in a book one day, or, you know, meeting the right people and putting yourself in the right spaces.
0: Everything is content in that way, <laughs> isn't it? Everything is like fodder, Hashtag poetry content. for writing. And I guess that's kind of always bubbled along in the background. So when it came to writing this poetry book, were was it older poems? that? What have you done? Have you kind of collated old stuff with new stuff?
2: There, There's a, there's a real mix in there. So some of it, I wrote when I was 14, some of it I wrote three months ago. Um, wow. Some of it is pulled from diaries that I never thought would see the light of day. And I think a lot of people will soon wish had never seen the light of day. <laughs> it's such a shame. There was one didn't make the final edit, but it was about Zach Efron. <laughs> and... I was convinced that Zac Efron would be my first kiss because he told me in a dream. I've heard about this. He <laughs> told me about this before and it's amazing. Oh, re- it's really angry open letter, very serious open letter to Zach Efron. Of like, where were you? Like, who, who was this guy that kissed me instead? Like, this is totally out of order. <laughs>
0: it wasn't you.
2: So, I mean, I've been a precocious... Um, teenager ever since
0: well we've had a little sneak, sneak peek. peek we have and it kind of it covers different topics right you've sort of tried to split well you have split the poetry into different sections yeah four so sections. if you're picking up the book what can you expect what's inside
2: well I mean physically it is split into four sections which I think is quite handy mm-hmm. in terms of you don't have to throw yourself into one big emotional roller coaster if you don't have the time or the the emotional patience which I know I don't have the time yeah. um so it's split into she must be in love she must be mad she must be an adult and she must be fat and they were all things at certain points of a coming of age or my growing up that have really hit and hurt me in in very different ways um yeah I think it's I, I what I really wanted to do was try and do justice to past Charlie and give her a piece of punctuation on a really difficult time and say, it was really shit. Like, all of this was actually quite miserable and awful. But you are justified in feeling that. You know, it wasn't like, and here's the light at the end of the tunnel. It's, yeah, that was awful. But also how amazing that you got through it. And there is nothing unique about the story. There's nothing unique about the feelings. It's purely personal to me because it happened to me. But it's stuff that happens to girls, women, all the time
1: it's completely relatable that's what it is thank you i think it's such a i mean like anna said we had a little sneak peek i haven't read it all yet i want to wait till i have like the proper book (laughs) we did have a flip through i think we both have like favorite that we've seen kind of quickly yeah what was your favorite i really liked whatsapp Ah. which is like a really really little mini kind of simple cute poem which basically says don't worry if Dicks have like ghosted you on WhatsApp. Just text your girls, and they make you feel better. Yeah, and I love it. Oh, That's what I just—I kind of was flicking through and I saw that one. And I was like, oh,
0: love girlfriends. See, I loved seaweed. I love which I probably too. shouldn't talk about too much because I probably will cry. If it's like yeah. the granddad, and I was just yeah. like, okay, be right back. <laughs> just about to have a tear. This is just from flicking through. Yeah. We both instantly found something that were like, I
2: love that they're so different as well. I yeah. wasn't
0: expecting yeah. either of those. I mean, really? I love seaweed as no. well. I loved it. Thank it me. was just so nice, and I think it is that. It's that book for everyone that you can just read and just, you're gonna connect with something in there. Like, you said it's not unique. Well, it is unique because it's your words and your words are beautiful and your words are unique. But I get what you mean, the experiences are something that we're all gonna have gone through at certain points in our lives. How does it feel for you putting something so personal out there?
2: At the moment, fine. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> it, it is very exposing. It is It is
2: very honest. There is nothing in there that I've left out whatsoever. It's
0: not censored.
2: No, no. There might be a time in my life where I argue that that was potentially not the best, almost sensible idea I ever had. But I, re- I didn't. I didn't want to publish something and look back on it and think, "Ah, oh, I wish. I wish I'd just gone there." Or what's the point of being honest to a point and then stopping? Because yeah. then that's not helpful and it's not authentic. And it is quite scary. There are are certain elements, there are certain short stories in there that I've never discussed with friends before or certainly never discussed with my family and that is quite a frightening feeling but then at the same time I feel as though I've always been very honest online. I've always tried to start or spark conversations about topics that are quite easy to shy away from. So I I don't have a an emotional sensor anymore. You know, talking about like mental health, I feel as though I talk about as though I'm reading off shopping list now. It's not something that frightens me, but I just hope it's helpful. I really want at least at least one person to read it and think, "Oh God, I'm not a total idiot." Or, "Oh, you're right, that is horrible." Or, "Ah, I'm safe. I'm safe in the knowledge and knowing that I'm not alone."
1: I think that's exactly what it's going to do. I think you'll have definitely more than one person i think you'll have so many people just saying oh it made me feel like i wasn't alone in my thoughts
2: i hope I so i
1: really hope so oh for sure has your mom for read sure. it yet <gasps> when are you gonna... i was like that was mine like when no. are you gonna allow people to read it that you know <laughs>
2: i don't know if i am going to let them read it uh, i've sort of said quite frankly to my family look it's none of my business if you're interested in reading about my sex life. But if if you want to, then yeah. by all means, dive right in. Here you go, yeah. uncle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe they'll have a flick through. I'm not letting them sit down for longer than 10 minutes without me being there, showing them which ones. So you won't they be doing them a...
1: like readings in the living no, room? No,
2: absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, what was really sweet actually was, it, and it is quite frustrating in a sense that, there is so much of my work that I can't share with my family. Not because I'm embarrassed by it, but it's just not appropriate. You know, there's there's a poem in there called Porn. Like, I can't think of anything worse. Do you than know what? I had a read of that
0: and I was like, wow. I don't know, it was quite, it sort of felt quite... I wasn't expecting to write it. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, I, I felt something when I read it. Like, it was...
1: No, hey. not a sexy <laughs>
0: way. Just, it was quite, like, it really, like it oh it was, you need to read it I can't like put into words what it made me feel but I was just a bit like shocked not in a horrible way <laughs> oh it's quite God. no I'm glad yeah I don't think I want really my dad to read that either like I completely no. understand yeah there, no. there is there is a
2: particular line in that that's stuck in my head right now I'm thinking of, like I just couldn't say that out loud in front of
0: <laughs> I want to talk to you about readings actually right. so you quite often do poetry readings mm-hmm. like at uh, different events I've been to one
2: did you come? I didn't oh, come to Oh, I one. have.
0: It I've never
1: been to, like, a poetry performance. <laughs> that was before. such a I weird night. I was <laughs> terrified. I had so the biggest I. gin and tonic in front of me because I was like, I mean, I get nervous going to the theatre. Like, just, it, you know. And you and were front row. I was. <laughs> it was so good. Sorry, I would please. definitely come to another one.
2: I'm so pleased you were at that one. That was the first time I'd ever done it. I'd never been to a poetry reading before. But I had no idea. in
1: that room, that like, you could feel it. Everyone was just, like, wanted you to do really well. It I was think amazing. that is the only
2: thing that kept me stood there and doing it. There was a really funny moment before it had happened, and I'd spent a whole week my mum couldn't speak to me because she was so nervous for me. Like, if I say anything, it's gonna, you know, transcend onto you, and then it'll be my fault that you're really scared, so just stay on other ends of the house. (laughs) (laughs) And we're in a tiny cottage, but (laughs) so, just, like, other ends of the sofa. We had the amazing Rosalind Yana, who did some poems before I did. And I was sat behind her drinking my also large bowl of gin and my mum did this really brilliant unspoken bit of language where she looked over at me and I caught her eye and then looked at Rosalind beautifully performing and then looked back at my drink and then looked at her again and I immediately knew. She was like, if you have any more of that, you are not going to be able to do that (laughs) immediately put the drink down and then
0: Ros finished. I was like,
1: oh no, no, I actually have to do it. Terrible idea having her go first because, yeah. oh my god, Never that would make me nervous. Again. She
0: was amazing. Are you going to do it at your book yeah. launch? Okay, right, so I'll see it then. Because
1: we were talking about how Anna said it's her worst nightmare, like when yeah. you, she used to have to stand up at
0: school and read out. Yeah. I would go to the toilet. I'd be like, "So I need to go to the loo now. If I thought it was coming to my turn to read yeah, out like, my no. piece of work, no thank you. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to faint on the spot if it means that I have to read it out
2: it is terrifying there is there is nothing remotely enjoyable in the lead up to it because, because
0: I, I used to really enjoy it
1: at school I'd be like oh my god it's coming up to my turn it's my time to shine <laughs> I wanted to be a pop star so I was like this is my moment <laughs> but I there's a very different thing reading out your own work in front of people you know like nah
2: also that night there were a lot of like old work colleagues <laughs> and just people there thinking I don't think you really need to know this about me but not it, time to read the porn. No, <laughs> yes. no, 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 not no, then, for not, sure. not then. <laughs> um, but now I love it. I I can't imagine wanting to do anything else as much as I'm loving like going out, going to poetry nights, just standing up. It's it's so fun because it's such a bizarre medium. Like I guess it it would be so different or similar but different if you're a singer or you're a musician because people interact with that in a very different way you know they'll either dance or they can talk over you or you know you get a sense of someone enjoying it through a vibe where when you're standing reading poetry people really lock in and it's such a collective force of energy in one room of everyone being really very polite and silent and then finishing going oh we've all just had a little moment together didn't we that was nice
1: it's not instant either you don't hear someone read a poem and then like instantly think like oh my god it, it kind of stays with you for a while and you think about it for days and then you kind of discover new bits that you, that you think are interesting within that poem
2: and they're, they're just so like fun nights as well I, there's such a there's such a stale perception of poetry you know it's like old middle-aged white men you know, sat in a room talking about birdsong. So it's quite (laughs) fun that now in in London, you know, there are all these amazing poetry nights with young people going and, like, talking about politics or heartbreak or mental health. It's like, there's change in that. That's really exciting.
1: Well, you said that poetry books don't sell well, but I think it's definitely having a moment. And talking about poetry having a moment, like explain to me this whole insta poet thing is it like when people call us influencers and we roll our eyes yes is it the thank same you thing? <laughs> yes. Yeah. what the hell is an insta poet it's
2: like you know remember I, th- I feel like i'm in good company to say this remember when journalists started using the term youtuber as though what you all did was shit yes, you know? yes. it's like yeah. it meant it was all you know, it was said with a tone. yeah yeah there was basically. never a good sort of undernote of what being a YouTuber meant these YouTubers, these influencers, these... And then so people started reclaiming what that meant. So it was, instead of blogger, am I a writer? Or instead of a YouTuber, am I a content creator? Or, you know, how do you redefine that? The Insta poet thing really, really, really pisses me off.
1: It makes you sound like you're not a poet. Well,
2: you know, you don't call traditional poets book poets, do you?
1: <laughs> like, you don't be like, oh...
2: T. S. Eliot was a wonderful book poet. Wasn't he was a he? page, poet. yeah. What a yeah. what a fantastic page, page, poet. Poet. page I'm like, poet. I actually quite like that. <laughs> you you can Fine. nick that. will <laughs> become a page poet. <laughs> um, so it just it's it's so reductive, you know. Just because I post things on Instagram, I don't write for Instagram. I don't write with Instagram in mind. I, there is the only thing that Instagram is as a platform in the same way I put them on Twitter and I put them on YouTube nobody's called me a tweet poet or a vlog poet <laughs> it's but, your but it's just a But and I, I think again in the similar sense of when everyone started having such a negative frame with YouTuber it is people that are frightened you know poetry is a very old prestigious academic part of the arts and I think people from older generations or the more academic side of it are going, What do we do when it becomes too accessible? Or how do we protect it? Or, Oh, what does this mean for us? I mean, like, just this happens time and time again with every form of art and every form of literature. Just chill the F out. Yeah. <laughs> when we're not. Yeah. stamping on your stuff. It's We're a positive just, thing. Yeah. You're
1: bringing younger people into it. Anyway, I would never have gone into poetry if it wasn't for you specifically. Like hands up, that, I can say that. That makes me excited. Yeah. So and now I've been to my first poetry <laughs> reading and I love it. and I'd so come again. And you're
2: going to come to so many more. <laughs> oh, only if you do it.
1: Then. <laughs> Please start coming with me. That would make me feel so much better. Oh my god, I will. It makes me feel really cool and arty. I'm so up for that. Can we ask you a favour? Yeah. Can you do us a little reading from your book? I can. We would love for you to do one. Shall I read the porn poem? Oh my oh god! Oh my god! <laughs> read the porn poem. Yeah. Yeah, I heard that
2: one. Yeah. I want it in the yeah, like, best it. porn voice you can do. No <laughs> No porn voices. I don't even know what a porn voice is. Yeah, good. I don't know
1: either.
2: <laughs> this is so it's also awesome. this is such an odd thing to be doing. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it's gonna come across an audio book. The three of us are sat on a sofa. Like quite cozy. It's very yes. intimate. Yes. My dog's in the corner giving himself a bath. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hot outside <laughs> um, i don't think this isn't my normal day-to-day every really? Tuesday? no no i don't um, might start maybe yeah. let's see how well this goes she moans as he throws her body from arched feline back to face in the pillow on her tummy he pulls her by the ponytail her eyes widen with excitement loneliness as well Banshee screams and hollow slaps, perfect nudity and waxed ass cracks Half taken by the throng of flung-off thongs, and bemused and sad and thinking, why do they never show the naps? The intimate legs twined like spaghetti, cooked and thrown back in the pack. Stuck with starchy love. That's the real magic, that. That's what turns me on. When after all the sheets of scene where you lay and nose touches nose and you still know where to kiss with the light still off because you're lit up in a childlike beam. And through panting paws your mind wanders lost, feeling your skin cling innate to one another, like a baby to a breast. That first breath, when you exhale and simmer, two maudling corpses too hot and they still shiver, craving more whilst digesting a slither of moments ago. She moans as he throws her body, wanting it with a posture comfy. He runs his fingers through her hair and tells her that she's lovely. Beautiful, in fact. He grabs her by the waist and she holds his face and steadies gaze, whispers lightly in his ear, I'd rather make love to you than just simply let you fuck me. There's plenty of room for explicits in complicity. Now that I'd understand. A prude I'd never claim to be. Though nor a connoisseur of wild intimacy. I've always taken it how it's given to me. Directed it, occasionally. But there's something that seems strange to me, that we get off on a close-up of a staged aggressive filthy, when we all know in reality the best is sweet and purely ends the same the two of you vulnerable and glowing with the taste of each other's name
1: oh Yay! great i think it's a clap, clap. Oh that's it. oh, so good you're so good at delivering it thank you it was sexy it's sexy yes. but i love that it's
0: got the line um waxed ass crack <laughs> to me that's just my that's my favorite bit
2: i read it yesterday at night, and i just you know so it usually goes down all right because it's not it's not that explicit i mean there's the it's one nice. line in the middle where people are like ooh she just said fuck me in public right <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah all right grandma there's this one woman whose eyes had totally soured by the end of the poem so afterwards i went over to her and i was like i saw that you really felt uncomfortable i'm really sorry if i offended you and she said no i just i couldn't stop thinking about that bit where you're talking about cooking spaghetti and then putting it back in the pack,
0: she was like, that's dis- that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I love how after all of that, that was your walk away. I think what made that for me, your reading, was the fact that your lovely dog, Piper, was sort of doing some heavy breathing. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he was. He was heavy breathing. He was licking his legs. (laughs) Legs. It just kind of made the whole
1: It really did. It
0: really, like, made the atmosphere. Thank you for that. So we're in... We're in your... The little room. countryside in, cottage in the living room yes. where you live so with your mum yeah. I love that you can see through
1: so there's a big fireplace here we have to always describe very well what we can see because we forget people can't see here and there's a fireplace in the middle and you can see through into the next room it's cool isn't it I love it, it like opens up as like one space but two spaces
2: yeah I mean it is a tiny I think it's like an 18th century cottage <sighs> it's really really old and definitely haunted Oh, I'm, I'm convinced. Oh, ghosts gosh. don't come out in the daytime. You're fine. Okay, it's a fact. We won't be staying <laughs> as much as we <laughs> love you. I mean, I'd love for you to, but there is no room because there are <laughs> only two bedrooms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's super tiny. It's very quaint and cozy, and oh, uh, I love it here so much. You're also sat in the spot where I wrote most of the book.
1: Ooh, maybe oh. it'll give me some
2: like arty energy. Maybe just like
1: tears and anxiety. Oh. Right.
2: <laughs> well, let's let's go and have a drink. Let's,
1: anyway, <laughs> do you want to take us to your favourite part of the, of yeah. the house, and we will carry on talking about your like home life? there.
2: Yeah, let's do it. Great. Yeah.
1: So we're now outside in this really really cute courtyard, which I actually I love this with a table and chairs and a palm tree. I know, and the world's <laughs> biggest palm tree.
2: It feels appropriate in this weather, but when it's snowing and you're in, I like this area. I think is best described as like being in the holiday. Yes, and minus Jude Law and the expensive cashmere.
0: I feel yeah. like if you didn't live in the UK, you'd think that this is what the whole Whoa. of the UK looks like.
1: <laughs> oh, Piper! <laughs> oh, are you okay, he Piper? wants us to play with the ball. Oh,
2: like we're outside now. This is playtime.
0: Yeah. Oh, go bless and him. Go and
2: play with peanuts.
0: But no, it's very quaint, and you've lived in this cottage for how long with your mum? Two years. You've always lived kind of out of London, in yeah. cottagey well, spaces.
2: <laughs> so I grew, I grew up in northwest London, when, until I was like 11, and then got shipped out to the countryside for a better way of life, apparently.
1: Did you have to change school?
2: Yeah. Oof. So then went to secondary school. In the sticks. (laughs) And then, yeah, I've been commuting in and out. I mean, as soon as I left school at 16, I was like, bye. I'm not staying in the countryside. No, thank you. But now I'm so grateful. Every time I get on the train. Now we live here, particularly. Every time I got the train to come home, there is such a sense of calm. Trees and like not having to lock everything all the time I mean I absolutely should not say things like that <laughs> we double lock all of our doors windows there's no way you can get in <laughs> I also live in Dubai <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's also it's quite nice I lived with my parents till I was 27 so um, yeah like that makes me feel yeah I think sometimes you have to but also I you know I didn't hate it I'm back with them now again I keep moving back you know what it's like but how do you kind of make a space your own as well when you're living with parents what's quite
2: nice about The relationship I have with my mum, I think, generally is that we are very close and she's like my sister, so it's sort of like having a housemate. For her, it's like having a lodger, I guess. (laughs) So my room is very much my own room and she's not allowed in it. There is no... Which sounds so silly to say at 22, maybe fine at 15, but you know it's it's important to know that I have at least one room in the house that is mine you know everything that's in the house is very much a collaboration between us it's not all her it's certainly not all me so like having little touches of things like books for example books are my thing nobody nobody else is allowed to touch that (laughs) books are my thing and even just finding like nice arty coffee table books I know that as soon as that is in the sitting room. That is my contribution. And then my mum loves crystals and like all those faux fur rugs and like being cosy. So we try and we try and find little things that we can just put in nice. together. That you feels found, like, like a bit us. of
0: you know and a way to both have your inspiration in the space. And it's a bit of both of you combined.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so sorry. hyper <laughs> is um, oh. kind of barking over there by Peanut little Peanut. Can we say who Peanut is? Peanut is your cute Peanut little... Peanut
2: is a
1: two-month-old bunny. Are oh. they still bunnies
2: at two? Yeah. Months? You can say bunny, it's fine. She's the best thing that's ever happened. No offence, Piper, you're great as well. But also the irony that I've dragged you all the way out of London <laughs> to the most peaceful part of the countryside and someone seems to be having a loft extension.
1: <laughs>
0: it's fine. Yeah, apologies if there's a bit of background noise, but we thought it'd be nice to get a bit of, you know, ambient noise. From the space outside but so heavy heavy dog panting <laughs> heavy dog panting and also someone having a loft extension
1: <laughs> so tell us about peanut peanut is two months peanut old. is
2: two months just i know i sound so nuts talking about yeah. this rabbit like it's my child but i have wanted a bunny for so long to, I think to a point where I was driving my friends up the wall. I was like, guys, I'm going to get a bunny. It's going to be called Pickles. And it's going to have a lead. And I'm going to walk it around London. And they're like, oh, my God. Have you taken Peanut haven't. Yeah, I don't know if she's ready. <laughs> I'm starting to leash train her. You know, oh, my cause God. You know, because I've got so much time on wet hands. <laughs> <laughs> so many emails that I've not replied to. And I'm like, oh, guys, you know, I'm so stressed and so busy at the moment because Peanut is just not taking to leash training. <laughs> It's really important that we get this right
1: and done so I can walk her through Labyrinth Grove.
2: Take her for a coffee.
1: (laughs) Coffee and a carrot cake. She is so cute. You said also she kind of like, it just makes you feel calm. You have a little cuddle.
2: Yeah, I'll be in the middle of the day. I'll be so stressed out or ready to have a big moan or a cry. And then I'll think, "Ah, peanut. And I'll come outside and she'll just sit on my chest whilst I'm on my laptop there's something about small animals where you know that they're easily spooked or they're easily frightened. So you have to physically calm your own heartbeat down. Mm. And peanut has become a form of meditation (laughs) where my breathing suddenly becomes so balanced and my heart rate right, slows almost immediately just because I've got this tiny little bunny like looking at my email like this is boring <laughs> oh
0: that's so nice though that is nice. yeah it's nice you've got that and I think unexpected tool doing like we, we spoke about this a bit earlier talking about your experiences with mental health and how you share a lot you put it out there online you're actually an ambassador I am for MQ mental health that's so cool. Yeah, I
2: was so excited. How well, did that come around? It was mostly me pestering them a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the, the first poetry night I did, I thought, I don't know if this is going to be any good, so I don't want to charge people for a ticket and then give them something of very poor to little quality. So I thought, oh, it'd be great to partner with a charity and then you know, getting a space is easier, and it'd be great to raise some money. And I was looking for a mental health charity that felt right me, You know, there are so many and there's so much noise, ironically, at the moment about starting a conversation or encouraging people to talk more or, you know, that's that's what we should be doing. Whereas MQ are in research, so, so some crazy statistic, like for every person affected with mental health issues in the UK, eight pounds per person goes into research, whereas I think for things like cancer research, that goes up to like 22 pounds. So it's huge disparity and we know so little about the brain, which is really frightening when you yeah. think about it. It's such an important part of our body and we know next to nothing about it. So funding research means not only transforming services or like educating doctors, but like that's a nuts thing. We still need to educate doctors, but also seeing if people's way of life Can change and become bettered through science which ultimately is what you want when you're dealing with an illness and something that is very medical. I think that needs a lot more help on its way than we can we can all be very good at shouting and talking about the importance of talking but it's hard to talk about something when you don't necessarily know what it is.
1: In terms of like self-care and looking after your own kind of mental health, what, what things do you do? Apart from sitting with Peanut.
2: <laughs> I sit with my bunny and I write poems. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> because poetry's
1: probably been like a massive Yeah, huge, help. huge form
2: of therapy. Yeah, cannot recommend. Just writing in general, journaling. Yeah. I've always had a diary. Me too. They're yeah. really good for you. Having the power to look back on something as well, like reference a point from like five years ago, wow. Look how different things are now. Um, I love candles and aromatherapy and baths. If I could live in a bath, I would live in a bath. I always remember people being like, Oh, you just need some lavender oil and then you'll be fine. And then all of that real problem stuff will just disappear. I was like, You're all idiots. Of course, <laughs> that's not what's going to happen. And then one day I picked up some frankincense oil. that was on the side of a friend's bed that I was staying at. And I was like, I mean really stupidly I was like oh this looks fun I bet it's good for my face It was like started like dabbing it all over my face and then lay in bed like whoa I feel like I'm an angel <laughs> <laughs> like, this is this is going to change my life so yeah. the whole house invariably smells as though there's been some sort of like weird festival on because I'm like Aromatherapy oils everywhere.
0: It's good you've obviously found ways. You seem super happy now. Like you've found your your good spot. But how have you found over the years of sharing your experiences both online and offline? Offline is tricky.
2: Online, you know, as much as it is terrifying bearing your soul to strangers and people that you don't know, there is still like a level of anonymity behind that. You know, I'm still just somebody on Instagram. I'm still just a Twitter user. And also people care enough to comment and hope that you're okay, but they're not laying away worrying about you. Whereas when you tell friends or family, you then feel guilty that maybe that's what they're doing. But it has certainly, like in the last three years, four years, got so much better. I mean, so much of my life has changed through being open about what I've gone through. When I first got diagnosed when I was 17 with bipolar, I just totally shut down. I was like, no one must ever know about this. This is awful. I'm going to lose all of my friends. And my friend turned to me and said, why don't you write about it? Why don't you share that? It's such a, you know, such a difficult thing that you're going through. There must be other people. And as soon as I did that, I found a community of people that really got it or found like, lots of other young girls that were going through something very similar and struggling too. Or you know, And realistically, not that... Um, there's science behind it but I would never have got this book deal like I'd never be in the position I'm in now had I not come to accept it and try and
0: make conversation with it Totally, 100% but anyone who's listening to this podcast who maybe has a friend or family member who feel like might be going through some shit what would be your recommendations like what really helped you through that time that friends and family members did? I think
2: if you think that there's you've got a friend that needs some help One thing that I've really come to learn a lot in the last year is you can't fix everyone around you. And it's really important to know when to step in and say, actually, this is a really good time for you to see a doctor or a GP, because that's where actual change happens. You know, when you get to a point where you're worried, I think taking it very seriously and being like, this isn't that scary. Go and sit and have a conversation with with a doctor. They can then work out some series of next steps for you but just listening nobody needs an answer nobody ever tells you about how they're feeling because they want you to go well it's fine because of this or oh but look on the positive of this They just want someone to listen to them
1: it's not always about trying to fix it it's no
2: just no being i think there to listen. i think if anything that can often make it worse yeah it takes out the weight of how someone's feeling and then they might feel silly about it yeah being a good listener And it's the easiest thing you can do as well. It's the kindest thing that you can do
0: to yourself and the kindest thing you can do for a friend is to just You just want someone to go, yeah, that's really shit. Yeah. (laughs) Don't you? Like, yeah, that's really shit. Talk to me about it.
2: Yeah, because when you're going through shit, you want to feel justified in that. And it's it's really important to feel justified in your sadness because then you can come to terms with it and then you can accept it. But, you know, I think there was a long time where... I was really, really, really unhappy and incredibly depressed. And I felt as though people just thought I was hormonal or, oh, you're a young woman, like, are you on your period? Like, oh, is is it a bit of heartbreak? Mm. No, like, let me feel justified in how I'm feeling. Because I think that prolonged period of time where I was like, oh, maybe I'm just a bit here or there. Maybe I'm just a bit sad.
0: Stilts progress massively. Speaking of progress, where do you go when you need inspiration? Nice you said, segue. You said your sofa, where Lily was sitting—the exact spot is yeah. where you wrote a lot of your book. And I find that really interesting. I picture when people write stuff, it's like Colin Firth in Love Actually when he goes to Portugal <laughs> okay, so. and, I he meets and he gets with to this, too. you know, gets with this <laughs> maid, and it's that kind of—you know—you're by a river and you're, you're like you're a typewriter. Oh. It what, was it that for yeah. you?
2: <laughs> I was sorely disappointed of the reality of writing. I'm going to be very honest about that. I imagined. I remember signing the deal and thinking, right, where am I going to go? You told me you were going to
1: Manchester. (laughs) Because I had the same thing. I was going to book a house in like Norfolk, and right, you were going to go to Manchester. We both ended up at home, just kind of crying a lot. Yeah, being really stressed (laughs) out for seven or eight months. So you didn't? Did you write it all here, pretty much?
2: Anything that wasn't written here has been written on my phone on the tube. So ah. there have been quite a few times, this is going to sound quite strange, where I would get on a, any tube line and just sit on it with no destination and just sit and write because the bustle of people mm. and, like, you know, you get a lot of inspiration from watching people. Not being sat at home was really helpful sometimes. But then also, you know, you're a writer. I can't afford to go and have coffee and lunch and then drinks in London every time i need to write something Mm -hmm. i mean i i wish maybe in 10 years time we'll talk about (laughs) where i go and write in my nice expensive restaurants but the reality was like just go and sit on the tube with a takeaway coffee and sitting right there
1: there's no signal nothing no distraction no distraction i agree, it's quite calming having all these people kind of come off and on and
2: exactly and and nobody knows you don't feel self-conscious i also feel like if i sit anywhere for too long i think either the people that work there or the people that are having lunch like (coughs) god she's been here a while hasn't she (laughs) you're like another drink or what was really frustrating is a lot of the time like waiters come over and be like oh are you doing your uni dissertation like oh no i'm just writing like oh that's nice like yeah, like, Write for my book deal, yeah. like I got Yeah right, right
1: b- okay. <laughs> oh, She must be an Insta poet. <laughs> <laughs> the immediate
0: I. Oh, oh yeah, something very rupee about her. <laughs> it's got a real rupee vibe going on. To round this off, I feel like there is probably going to be a couple of people that are listening that are like, shit, I want to do that, I want to write, but I just don't know where to start. What would be your advice for budding writers? We are living in such an amazing time
2: where you can put your work online for free and I don't think that should be shunned. I certainly would not have a career in writing. Bearing in mind, I never studied English up until I was 16. I have no formal training. There, you know, There is no reason that I've got a book deal or I've got a profession in writing now other than the fact I thought, do you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna put it online and see if people like it, see if people engage. And it's such an amazing learning curve, learning to write for an audience and how to engage people and to self-edit and to take on criticism or take on praise. It's a really rare piece of training that you can't really get from school or from university because you're immediately stuck into the reality of what a writing career is, and that's either harsh critics or people that love it or people that have questions or people that spot, a spelling mistake or don't like a turn of phrase and that's all really really helpful and you you can't do that if you're if you're keeping it to yourself so just go for it put it online see if people like it do a month long <laughs> don't do a month <laughs> a poem long. Every do day. not. Every day. but whatever you do yeah. do not write a poem a day
1: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we love Charlie and it was genuinely so nice to hang with her in her cottage. She's so inspiring and real and I'm so excited for what the future has in store for her. You've
0: got good things coming your way, Charlie, for sure. And if you'd like to follow Charlie online, she's at charliecox1 on Instagram. And if you'd like to buy She Must Be Mad, it's available now from all good bookstores. Don't forget to
1: subscribe, rate and review us on iTunes or listen on Acast if you want to see the photos. Sound and
0: production are by Amy Elizabeth. Thanks, Amy. And we'll chat to you guys next week with another cracking guest. I'm very excited about this one. Me it's too. a very cool lady coming your way. So we'll <laughs> see you then. Bye. Bye. <laughs>